This is the MFG Cast. Hey guys, I'm Kurt. And this is Tracy. And of course, D. Wyatt. And welcome to another episode of the MFG Cast. When we first got this podcast started, I wanted to talk about everything. I didn't want to be in this niche of like, oh, this is a show that talks about this and that and this and that, you know, like real specific stuff. I wanted to kind of keep it broader. You know, I wanted us to you know, talk about big game companies, small game companies, big names, small names, stuff like that. So, um, and we've been able to talk to quite a few people and, uh, one of our favorites that is actually on the show for the second time, which we're very proud and honored to have Jamie Steckmar on. Jamie, thanks for coming on again. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. You've got games that, you know, people really go to and it's, it's those games that are, you know, on everybody's shelf and they talk about and stuff like that. And hopefully this is another one that we talk about today because we're going to talk about Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Or Ludwig, if you're fancy. <laughs> I, I just call it Ludwig because I just, I'm not a fancy person. I'm just very average. I don't want to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, since, since I've actually put in the time to write this one out, I figured, Jamie, if you wanted to have a little bit of a lead-in for your title as game creator... You can go with Jamie Stegmeyer, the Sultan of Scythe, the Chancellor of Charterstone, the Emperor of Euphoria, the Vicar of Viticulture, and the Baron of Being Between Two Things. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like the Between Two Things because it, yeah. Yeah, it encompasses everything. <laughs> so, but before we get into that, let's talk about what we've been playing recently. And I would actually just like to ask Jamie what he's been playing recently, just because it's nice to see you. You're always a champion of games and stuff like that, not just your own. So, you know, what have you been playing recently? So, I have three games that I played over the last five days. Two, oh, one is my, or one is ours, and two are other games. So, the most recent yesterday, I played. I learned and played Gingerbread House. Have you heard of Gingerbread House? Not yet. It's a new game from Phil Walker Harding, who he is the designer of Sushi Go and of Baron Park and of Gizmos. Okay, yeah. He's really good at those like 45-minute games that are pretty easy to teach but have a lot of interesting decisions in them. And uh, that was definitely the case in Gingerbread House. The idea is you are using tiles to build a gingerbread house and trap fantasy creatures in the house. So you're kind of playing the bad guy (laughs) in this very cutesy game. Um, and it was so, I enjoyed it so much that I played it again right afterward. And then on Wednesday, I played an older game called Ink and Gold. Um, it's a push your luck game where you're kind of running into a dungeon, grabbing some treasure, and trying to run out of the dungeon. Uh, and I also taught and played Wingspan, which is our, our newest game. That, that is the Stonemire title there. The rest are not. Very nice. So it so I have a question. So when it comes to you said you know you played Gingerbread House and then you you know and then you played it again. Is that is that do you have 
many games like that where like as soon as you're done playing you're like whoa i i just i have to play that again you know it it, it feels like there's it's getting less and less with people that at least from you know podcasts i listen to and stuff like that you know are there those games that you just as soon as you play you're like oh yeah i'm definitely playing this one again i I feel that way. I would say I, I definitely see where you're coming from. There, there are a lot of games that I play just for the first time, and I even if I enjoy them, I'm like, okay, I, I've learned what I want as a designer. I've had fun with this game. I want to play. I want to play another one. But there's a good like maybe twenty twenty five percent that really dig into me and make me want to play it right away again. But I would say actually only about maybe another twenty percent of them are games that uh, are short enough that I actually could play again right in, right away at a game night. Like, I might, I'm sure, like, the first time I played Terra Mystica, which is one of my favorite games, I'm sure I wanted to play it again right away. But at a two and a half hour game night, you can't play Terra Mystica twice. But this game was short enough that I could. It's like, at times, even at a four hour game night, two games of Terra Mystica would be rough. It's like, man, this was great. I want to play this again. So, what are you guys doing in March? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so. You need to give your brain a break. But Gingerbread House was like just, it was interesting, but it was just light enough that it, we, we were. And even with, with having learned it, you know, sometimes you can be a little brain burned after learning the game. That wasn't the case here. We were ready to go again. Now, um, that's awesome. You also mentioned like in gold, like the whole press your luck and like trying to loot treasure and everything. Was it one of those games where um, I'm trying to remember which one it was? It was in like the Runebound universe. Uh, like I think it was Dungeon Quest or Dragon Quest, where it's like I think they said like only like nine percent of the time do you ever even make it out of the dungeon with the gold. Like, was it a vicious game like that, or was it just that? greed press your luck where it's like oh man like 50 more coins would be great right about now it was more greed based yeah okay it's a it's a competitive game so you're at any time you could just run out of the dungeon but if you decide to stay in you might get another more gems more treasure so the longer you stay in the greater your risk but um but you could you could run out at any time so nice nice yeah I feel I feel like I could do with that with like clank yes I think the last time me and yeah. Tracy played that she was like Usually I'm the one that kind of digs down, and she was the one that was kind of digging down. And I was like, I just really wanted to take, you know, the one thing and be like, I'm out of here, you know, <laughs> just to see, you know, be like, haha, see if you can make it now, sucker, you know. But you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too point salady that I was like, I need to get more stuff. I mean, I just can't just grab one thing. I'm like Indiana Jones. I just can't grab one thing. <laughs> you know, I have to go for more. There's obviously more things that could be, you know, in a museum. So I gotta go find them. <laughs> I love Clank, but this game gave me the feel of Clank in about 30 minutes. So if I ever needed, or if I ever wanted to play Clank, but I only had 30 minutes, I would definitely play Ink and Gold. Nice. That sounds pretty good. That's awesome. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Who is that? Who is that game by? I'm sorry. Who's that game by? Maybe Reiner Knizia. I okay. I'll look it up while we're talking, so I, we can know. I think it's a famous designer. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, would, I think I would wager a dollar on your guess. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Reiner Knizia has made enough games that you kind of have like a twenty percent chance of being right anytime you guess that Reiner Knizia made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like when you listen to a movie trivia podcast, you could pretty much say any actor was in JFK because most people were in that. Movie. Right. So, <laughs> so I was wrong about that, but we could have thrown out a couple of random names and gotten it right. So one was uh, there are two designers, Alan Moon, who did Ticket to Ride, and Bruno Faiduti, who has done a number of famous games that aren't coming to mind right now, but. He's pretty famous. He nice. did uh, Citadel's cool. yeah, Masquerade. Yeah, that's me. What about you guys? What have you been playing? Uh, mind if I jump in, Kurt? Yes, go right ahead. All right. Uh, so, what about you, Tracy? Do you, are you okay with this? <laughs> yeah, I was point. I was actually pointing at it. <laughs> no, I just. Oh, no, except I was, you guys can't see my hand I was when I was pointing. It was below the. 
the screen for you guys to see. I was actually like giving Dan the go. As you say, it's amazing how verbal cues help out in an audio podcast at times, right? <laughs> so, um, go ahead. Dan. So, speaking of Reiner Knizia, uh, we picked up Crisscross recently, a little roll and write game uh, by Knizia. It's actually uh, pretty cool. I think you guys might like it because it's a very simple aspect of you're just rolling two dice and you're putting down the symbols on your little grid and it's all about trying to match sets and everything. We almost described it as a Rollinite version of like King Domino with how you're trying to line up like symbols. If you know, if you almost think of them as terrain types, it's incredibly close. Um, so that was pretty fun. We actually got to play that about eight times already, which is great. And then the other game we've been checking out lately is Railroad Inc. Another uh, roll and write game, but it's pretty fun. This one's by Simon. Uh, there's two different versions, red and blue. One deals with like riverways and waterways. The other has like lava and volcanoes. And it's a pretty fun deal. It's um basically just like seven round game. You're rolling. You have to use all the tracks that are available to you. There's roads and train tracks. And it's all about trying to, you know, maximize pathways, making things connect, going into the inner city and just trying to rack up as many points as possible. And unfortunately, that has been pretty much it lately because all I have time for is like these like ten to twenty minute rolling rights lately. So, I'm curious, have you played? Um, have you played Welcome Two? Yes, many times. I love that game. Would you say for someone who like, I really enjoy Welcome Two too? Would you Would you recommend one of those two games to someone who loves Welcome Two or both of them because they're all kind of rolling right? Um, the Crisscross game is like that game is super fast. Like that's something you can play almost like while waiting for coffee. It's an incredibly quick game, um, but it's great because the... Are you guys almost done? Yeah, all right, we'll do a quick round of crisscross. Railroad Inc., I like the seven rounds aspect because it puts a time limit on how long you can try to make everything work, and you can never make everything work. So, but yeah, if you like the Welcome to, I would say definitely check out one of the Railroad Inks. Those are really nice. And, like, they're great, too. Like, the price point is great if you can find them. They're kind of, like, blown out right now. But they're like I think they're like between like eighteen and twenty five bucks based on where you find them. So Kurt, what have you been playing? Hey, thanks, Jamie. That's a great little uh, tie in to what we yeah. Um, so uh, lately we just we played uh, Welcome to with Dan, and that was that was fun to play online. And uh, as soon as it we were done playing, we're like, this is the game. We got to get this game. You know, but unfortunately, you know, it cost way too much money online right now. Also, we were able to play Herbaceous by Pencil First Games, and that's a fun little game by Stephen and Eduardo Baraf with uh, with art by Bess Sobel. And it's just, I don't know, it's just, I love short, quick games that are just so easy to play. It's just... Well, I, and it's a beautiful game. Like, yeah. the art is yep. cool. Yep. Yeah, and just quick and easy. Another one of those games that's cheap and easy and quick to play and a lot of fun. So that's what we played recently. So so the question is, who trounced who? I think I actually won that game. The The keyword is actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, so Jamie, um, one of the most recent Stonemaier releases at this time is the Between Two Castles in Making Ludwig. And... Um, we were actually talking like it was kind of funny because we were talking about like game mashups uh, not too long ago and then when I first heard about this I'm like this is insane I can't wait for it and I, I was very happy with everything I'm curious like who how did this idea form yeah um, so we, we I'm not the, I'm, I'm going to speak in terms of we but I am the publisher I'm not the designer of it but I do work closely with Ben and Matthew the designers so they finished up Between Two Cities, and they finished up the expansion for Between Two Cities Capitals. 
And they came to me and they said, hey, Jamie, we, we still love this mechanism, this between two mechanism where you're partnering with two different people, even though you're competing against them in the end. Um, we want to make another game in that realm. Do you have any ideas, any thematic ideas? And I kind of threw out a few. There's an email somewhere where I talked about a few different ideas, but one of them was castles because just thematically I love castles. And they seemed to like that. And so they, they took it and I think they looked at other castle-themed games and I didn't hear from them for about seven or eight months. And then um, they came back to me. I think it was at Geekway to the West, a small convention here in St. Louis. They came back to me. Uh, ben was actually there. And Ben met with me there and said, hey, you know, Jamie, uh, I've been playing around with this Castles version. And uh, I'm, I'm really liking the way it's turning out. And I have to admit, uh, a lot of the inspirations for it are coming from, between, uh, coming from Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Have you played that game? And I was like, well, actually, that's one of my favorite games of all time. Like, I, I absolutely love Castles of Mad King Ludwig. And so together in that conversation, we thought, well, instead of just, like, making this game and having it look a little similar to Ludwig, why don't we contact Bezier and see if they would be interested in partnering with us in some way to bring the game to life? Very cool. Yeah. I, I can talk about more, too, but that's, like, that, that's up until the inception of what, where we took off and started to talk with Bezier about it. That's pretty awesome, and I do love how much the like the thematic of between two castles comes into this game with like the room special abilities and all that. Yeah, that, that's actually really cool. It's like I'm I'm always wanting to see more of this. Like we actually when we went off the air previously, we were talking about uh, the good cop bad cop version of Euphoria. Yeah, where again it's this idea of okay, like this game, this world, but these mechanisms of this other world, and I'm always hoping to see more of this. I'm like. I was telling Kurt secretly, I was like, I really hope that maybe this becomes a thing that Jamie wants to do like every other year. Like, oh, okay, well, now we're going to combine this and this. We're going to combine this and this. Just to see what other ideas can happen. Because I always feel like not enough of this is seen in the hobby. Mm-hmm. A, a recent thing was showing with like the, the bubble of board game releases is it's almost 5,000 games released last year. And how many of those were crossovers? It's like the percentage is astronomically low and i would love to see this happen more often yeah i think there are only a few that i'm aware of at all there's one um the flick em up uh dead, dead of winter. winter yeah that was one i think there's one other one but it is exceedingly rare i think it's, it's a little tough to do um this one happened very organically where ben and matthew were just like researching other games that use castles and it just ended up getting into their design Whereas, like, with Euphoria, it was very intentional. They had a good cop, bad cop game that didn't really have a world, and they applied the Euphoria world to it. Um, but uh, I think you're right. I think it would be cool to see more of that happen, especially with games that have a really cool world and then another game that is a little bit abstract to apply a really cool abstract mechanism to a really immersive world. I love that. Yeah, because this thing was surprisingly dripping with theme from... Just the way it blended the two of them, we were really impressed. Now, one of the things I'm curious about too is the like the inserts. Yes. Uh, yeah. First of all, Stonemaier Classic, where it's yeah, we could just put the castles in the colors. We're not going to do that. We're going to make each one unique and each one very awesome looking, mm-hmm. which everyone was very fond of when we played. And also, the inserts are amazing. Uh, was that originally something you just said from the start, where it's like you know from now on all my games are just going to be amazing inside and out, or? Did, did the did you play uh, like either Grim Forest or Wasteland Express Delivery and you said game trays must have game trays 
That did happen. Actually, Grim Forest, we, I was working on My Little Scythe at the time. Actually, another crossover. Maybe that's all I'm doing now, crossovers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was working on My Little Scythe, and that was when I played Grim Forest. And immediately I was like, okay, I, I see how awesome this is. I need to make that happen. I think it was after that, actually. Yeah, it was after that with Between Two Castles, where I was playing it, playing a prototype of it. And the setup was just a little... A little bit much. Like, we had to shuffle all these tiles, and tiles don't shuffle all that well. And uh, while we were, I think, either setting up or cleaning up, it came to me the idea of essentially setting up for the next game while you're cleaning up, um, while you're going through those motions of cleaning up. And that's what we designed the inserts after. That While you're, like, cleaning up and you're essentially shuffling, shuffling just organically while you're cleaning up anyway, you put the tiles back into an insert where each slot holds exactly the number of tiles, nine tiles, that you need to draw when you start the game. Um, so it makes setup, as you, I think, have experienced, makes setup super fast because you just open the tray, hand out, you just randomize the throne room tiles, claim your stack, and go. Yeah, and I love that it has the player counts next to each stack of the tiles, which is great too. Yeah, right. that's what I was right. going to say. I was like, that's just a nice little added bonus. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I was really pleased with uh, what what Noah did with that. Noah is the guy who runs Game Trace. Nice. Yeah. So what? So was this all Matthew and Ben's doing? Did you have a little bit more say so in it? Did they consult with uh, Ted Alswatch, who did Castles of Mad King Linkwood? How did that all shape out? So the um, the way that I so I'm a publisher. Um, I'm also a designer, and I also whenever I publish someone else's game, I serve as a developer. Um, and that term is used in a lot of different ways. For Ben and Matthew, and, uh, in particular, what that means is that they design the game, they create it, they create all the mechanisms for it, and they send me a copy of it, a prototype, and I play it a few times um, with my co-founder and sometimes some friends, and I send them back some feedback and ideas. And we usually repeat this, once we get that process started, we repeat it pretty much every month for about three or four months. Um, so they would send me the game, I would send them sometimes little feedback and sometimes a lot saying, hey, like this type of tile just isn't working at all. This isn't fun. Let's cut this. Let's add this. And for this particular game, we also in- involved Bezier in the prospect in the, in the process. Uh, so every time that they sent me a prototype, they would also send it to Ted at, at Bezier, and Ted would do the same thing. He would play it a few times, offer some feedback, and we'd move forward with it. That was Bezier's main involvement with it. Otherwise, it was essentially us kind of licensing the Ludwig name from them. So we still served as the publisher, uh, but we we cooperated with them to make sure that the theme and mechanisms and price and things like that were in line with the Ludwig brand. Have you guys played Castles of Mac and Ludwig? Have you played it? I've played it like probably about 10, 12 times at this point. Uh, you know, this is going to be a this is going to be a nice aspect to this game because I I'm guessing you've probably played both. You Dan, you've probably played Castles and you played Between Two Cities, right? Yeah, yeah. We have not played either, so <laughs> this is kind of like a first you know first uh, dip in the toe into it. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like, and it's fun too because you get to see like okay, oh I love these aspects of this game. So then you know going into this you know, talking to Jamie and going into our review, I was like, well, I have to watch videos on these games because I, I don't know exactly what these games are about. You know, do they, you know, work, mesh well together in this game? Or, you know, is it something, there's there's some things missing or whatever. And, you know, when you play a game like this, there's some people out there that probably go, well, you know, I have this game. I don't really need to play Between Two Cities or Castles of Mad Lick King Ludwig. But for me, I was like, man, I want to play both of them now because I want to kind of see how... 
you know, you take, you know, I could watch a video all day and be like, okay, I can kind of see these similarities between the two and how they would work in this game. But, you know, now I want to play them to just be like, okay, now I get it. I get why that's like that. And this is kind of like, you know, they're, it, to really dig dig deep into it. That's so. awesome that it would open the door to you to, to experience those other games. And I think, fortunately, they all fit different uh, niches. Like the uh, Between Two Cities is a filler game. It plays in about 20, 25 minutes. Um, and then Between Two Castles, you know, it scales up to seven players, plays in about 45 minutes to an hour maybe at most. And then Castles of Metkin Ludwig is strictly a four-player game. You can play it with three or two, but I think it works really well. Well, actually, I would say it works really well at three and four. I haven't played it with two. Um, but it can take about 90 minutes. So they kind of each filled that a different time slot and different uh, different player count slots, too. Yeah. And also, Castles, half of the game is being able to like read what people are going to need. Like, if somebody makes a bad round of marking the prices on the things, like, somebody can unknowingly hand another player the game almost. That's true. Which, after an hour, is always like, oh, man, why did you do that? <laughs> Yeah, I kind of see the playing this game and not playing the other games is kind of like, like, like say you missed like the first Matrix. I'm just throwing that out there just because it's the first <laughs> thing that came into my head, you know. And then you come into the second Matrix, you watch it, you're like, oh my god, this movie is awesome. I wonder what the first one is like. So then you go, you watch that, and then the third one comes out, you're like, oh, I can't wait for the third one to come out, you know. So it's it makes me kind of have that thought. It's like you know. I just want to see where this kind of comes from. So Well, and I think we've looked um, at those other games before. Yes. Uh, uh, about buying them and, you know, what they were about. And then this one came into our laps and we really like it. So I think it'll even kind of push us towards trying those other ones. It's not that we were ever opposed to it. So it'll kind of be the push we need to be like, oh, okay, we're going to play this one and this one. And then buy another shelf to hold it. <laughs> That's the downside of uh, some of these games at this rate. <laughs> yeah. You you can't see it all, so <laughs> they're to the right, to the left, and in front of us, so. I am curious if uh, we're going to be seeing the Castles of Mad Ludwig in 10 games over the next year, though, because another crossover, it's like Ted Elspec is teaming up with Ted Elspec to make the one-week Ultimate Werewolf, where you're all vacationing at the castles of Ed King Ludwig at with werewolf. You know, I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I think it's like, they were like, this is our gold mine. <laughs> <laughs> so Jamie, uh, do you think there's a chance that next year we're going to see between two dinosaur islands? Is there any Pandasaurus team ups or <laughs> <laughs> the dinosaurs can eat people on both parks. If you're not careful, something like that. Yeah? I'm, I'm open to it. I don't know. We have, I don't think I'm trying to think if we have anything else in the works, any other crossovers, and I don't think we do. Not even in the talks. But if something came along organically or however it came along and it created something exciting and fun for people, I would certainly consider it. Well, um, after the last time you were on, we we mentioned the game Yido and how it's like we're probably never going to see the reprint for that. What about between two Yidos? And then it's just two game boards of Yido, and you just <laughs> that's the only way we're it's the only way we're going to see the reprint. <laughs> it's one of the most tragically overlooked games. It's so sad that no police ever has that. And if you don't know somebody that has it, you just never get to play. Yeah, I have a. I contacted Panasaurus about it a little while ago to see if they were reprinting it or what they were doing with it. And I think, I think they said it was caught up in some weird rights, and they they don't think they will ever reprint it. So, so they're looking at Jamie's email. They're like, I want a response, Mr. Stegmaier. How do you spell? 
Like, <laughs> okay, let me just send that to him. <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing also that I and I absolutely love is um, so uh, like Kurt and I did like an early Christmas, and I sent him over Viticulture, uh, the Viticulture Essential, because we got to play that on Tabletopia together. And I was really happy with how he enjoyed it so much when we were playing there. I noticed you have a lot of the games on Tabletopia, which is fantastic to see. Yeah, Tabletopia, I've really enjoyed working with them because I, I must admit that I do not, I'm not tech savvy enough to, uh, to put our games on Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator, or I don't care to spend the time to learn. I probably could figure it out. But Tabletopia is great because they usually come to me and say, hey, Jamie, we hear that you come, you have, you're coming out with a new game. Can we put it on here for you? And they take care of it. So it's really full credit to them for, wow. for going out of their way to make that happen. Yeah, that's cool. But also share credit for you giving the push on it too. You know, it's like, cause the fact that Viticulture is on there, uh, Scythe is on there, I believe, Between Two Castles mm-hmm. is on there now. This, yeah. this has been one of the things that I always hear about when people go like, oh, the digital board games, you know, why would you ever bother to buy the copy? I think it's a great way to, like a lot of people don't have a local place to play games to find out if they want to buy them. Right. And I think Tabletopia is one of the best options to just, you know, check something out before it's on Kickstarter or if your local, you know, uh, game shop or your local game group doesn't have that title yet to find out before you click add to cart if this is the game you want to play. Totally. And I think it does that because it, it, I don't know if all your listeners have played it, but it, it makes it the table really feels like the game is on the table. It's not like a video game port um, where it, it's things are, are, more you know smaller they're shifted around the the ui is different it really feels like the game is on the table in front of you yeah yeah and it it, it impressed us so much that that's you know we wanted we vault you know until we got it from dan and kim you know we'd only played it online and it's cool to have that experience to play something like that and go i would love to play this live because there's there's some times where you play things that are like virtual and you're like Oh, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know if it presents itself with that experience. Yeah. And you'll have to teach it to me because <laughs> oh, yeah. you played yeah. it with and them. And I will. And I have not yet. It's not, <laughs> I, I mean, I'll like to play it. But. Yes. And you will like it. I know you will. Yeah, well, was, I know. Um, with what you were saying earlier about like the, a game where after you play it, you're like, oh, I want to play that again. I found that response a few times to Vita Culture. That's why I wanted to get Kurt to try it on Tabletopia. Because I was like, yeah, he's going to like this one a lot. It's like that like nice, perfect mid-range of worker placement where lots of options and meaningful options, but it's not like bogging you down with complexities. So one other thing too is like, you know, now uh, the Between Two Castles of Mech and Lugby came out like really recently, like with the holiday rush and everything, I've been finding like a lot of places actually had that game at great prices too, mm-hmm. which is another thing that I'm like really happy to see because, you know, sometimes you always worry about like towards the end of the year where everything is releasing all at the same time but then you fall into that cycle of okay when is the right time to release it like how long can you wait right so like uh so have you been pretty happy with like all this numbers and everything lately you know you're getting a lot of nice like tweets and uh facebook messages about the game yeah it's been so we did something a little different with between two castles where we um we kept it a secret basically uh and then on in early september we announced it and we had it in our warehouse, and we accepted pre-orders or orders for it that day. Um, the re- retail release wasn't until mid-October, but uh, we kind of we you know we'd been working on this for a while. We, we wanted to just surprise people and let them actually get it right away. So we did that, and it went pretty well. But uh, I think some people were caught off, like they they felt like they were catching up with it, like they they 
I think we're so used to Kickstarter where you back something and then you learn about it slowly over the campaign and then it takes a month or a year to arrive. I think the the new method was a, uh, a little bit of a system shock for some people and definitely also for retailers and distributors who were equally surprised as everyone else. They didn't know it was existing. And so it um, – and also in regards to that, we – like the game didn't come out till mid-October after that in, in terms of retail – and we didn't send out review copies to most reviewers until that point. So you guys probably got your review copy sometime in like late October, maybe early November, um, maybe even a little after that. And so we tend to see a cycle of when we announce a game, we sell a bunch of copies. And then when it hits retail, retailers sell the copies. And then a few months later, when the reviews come out, we, we see an uptick again because people are hearing about it on places like your podcast and they're deciding if they, if they want to buy it or not. So... Um, it's around the last like few weeks. A lot of those reviews have come out, so it, it's it kind of it's a weird cycle with with board game sales. Nice. That's a cool concept to to roll it mm-hmm. out that way. This time to keep it super top secret. Yeah, it, it's, it was also kind of nice because it wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, this game sounds awesome. You know, when you can play it. Wait until 2020. It's like (laughs) akin to that Spirit (laughs) Island Kickstarter. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, am I excited for it? Absolutely. (laughs) Like, will I even still be around when that game comes out? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm I'm a little older now. I don't know how many years I have left. Like that, that might be going to my heirs. I think they went through a lot with the Oblivion expansion for Sentinels of the Multiverse, where it, la- it took like a lot longer than they thought. Yeah, so oh, I think yeah. they heavily padded the Spirit Island expansion release in the hopes that they can yeah. greatly, you know, beat that date by quite a bit. Yeah, Oblivion I think was like four years right. in the making to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Jamie, uh, I'm curious about what would you say is one game that you think is a great gift to give to somebody, and what is one game that you hope to find under your tree? Yes, um, a great gift to some give someone. I'm tempted to say one of my games as a businessman. I should say one of my games, but I would do say, it, give it, <laughs> so, give it, do it. You can <laughs> say whatever you would like. I'll say this. This is actually what I, I did a holiday gift guide video recently, and the, my philosophy for the gift guide was rather than me like recommend a game, um, I would I I like the idea of really looking at what the other person, who they are, what they want, what, what they're into, and so I like that you asked me that same thing. Um, but I, that, that's like my philosophy when I buy gifts for someone or when I look at what they, what they want, what makes them feel loved and appreciated, um, what type of game mm-hmm. fits them. So if they're a person that plays primarily two-player games, I might recommend Hanami Koji. If they're looking for a filler game, I might say Fantasy Realms. And if they're looking for a game that scales up to, to, uh, to seven players in about 45 minutes, I'll say Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Very nice. So, so I want to make sure. So, what you're saying is, I should not be buying somebody a game for Christmas because I want to play it from their collection. And <laughs> apparently, I've been doing this wrong. <laughs> Kurt, I've actually done that quite a bit. Kurt, so send the stuff back. I messed up. I did this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, what is one game that you would love to see under the tree this year for yourself? Well, I'm going to answer that a little differently too, if you don't mind, because I ha- I have a number of games on my shelf on my shelf that I still haven't played. Uh, probably about 12 games right now that I haven't played on my shelf. And the, the biggest gift that someone could give me would be to spend the hour, hour and a half to learn some of these rules to some of these games and teach and play the game with me. I would value that infinitely more than getting a new game. Because um, I can always get a new game, but to have someone else learn the rules and take that time and give me the, the benefit of not having to have spent that time to learn the rules myself, that would make me 
feel very appreciated and loved. So that would be that's that was that's what I would like for for Christmas this year. That is actually exactly what I asked him for. No joke. You did, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what you need, Jamie, is you need an exact replica of Dan because Dan is really good at doing oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. That's why I like having a Dan around because I'm like, I'm dog. I don't know how to do this. Can you explain it to me? You know, and he does it with with a flourish because I'm terrible awesome. at it. I don't. I don't mind teaching games. It's the just the the you know the time it can take to really go through a rule book and learn it. Yeah. Is, it's a lot, and oh, yeah. Dan, I think it sounds like you work a lot. I work a lot. I, it's, I have to make a choice between spending that time on my, on my business or spending it in a rule book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and some of them are awfully painful or big yeah. or ri- ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> if they could have rule books by tape. No. <laughs> I, I think when Kim pulled out the rule book for Wasteland Express Delivery, it's like, okay, this rule book is 34 pages. I was like, 34? <laughs> That's a novella. <laughs> I know. You spend you spend more time punching out everything and reading the rule book than you do playing, yeah. than we did playing our first game of it. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. But <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'm very glad to hear that, Jamie. Hopefully, you'll be able to receive that gift this year. And, uh, I'm hoping. So, so do you refer to it as your pile of shame or your pile of hope? I call it my shelf of opportunity. There you go. I like that one. Nice. <laughs> I'm, awesome. I'm writing that one down and stealing it immediately. Totally. <laughs> I just have to make sure I say it one day before this episode releases. And then <laughs> <laughs> That's great, though. I'm so glad to hear that, Jamie. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you, Jamie, for coming on and just kind of talking about how this came to be. So, I mean, it's just, it's it's awesome to get the inside information because, you know, a lot of times these games come out cold and you're just like, you want to kind of know the, you know, how this came to be, especially something like this where it's kind of a crossover. It's nice to know, you know, how, the, you know, how the people that, you know, the guys that made Between Two Cities are like, oh, you know, I'd really like to do this mashup now. You know, you think after, after making a game, if you're not making the expansion for it that you're just like okay i'm done with this let's move on to the next thing so it's nice to see that totally yeah i i, I like the opportunity I, I love hearing these stories from other designers too so i appreciate that you, that you had me on here to talk about it all right well i'm gonna leave you guys just so your listeners know i'm leaving i'm yes. not gonna influence your review in any way so talk freely i don't even know if you like the game or not so i will find out when i listen to it are you gonna drop the mic when you go <laughs> Just, just put down the knife, Jamie. I promise we're going to talk about it immediately, okay? Please, I just, just give me back my dog. Oh, Dan. Awesome. Well, you guys have fun. Thank you, you so much for, for letting me join you, and, and awesome. uh, hope you have fun talking about the game. Will do. Have a great night, Jamie. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Take Jamie. Care, Jamie. Bye. Bye. So, Kurt, uh, how do you feel about building something? Oh, I love building stuff. You know, I have, like, Legos, and I've got, like, uh, I can't think of any. Lincoln Logs. Uh, what are those? The ones that Lincoln, Logs, Lincoln Logs, yes. I was going to say, they start maybe, with the T. Maybe nice. you got some connects <laughs> over there. There's, like, little stick things. Yeah. We yeah. do have some connects. We have Jenga. So so would you say that, you know, building between two things is better? That's what helps get those architects. Uh, the, oh, my God. Let's say this again. Would you say that building? Yeah, the architects. Architects of aggression. So would you say that building between two things is better? That's what gets your architectural ideas flowing? Correct. <laughs> that's, <so> my, <laughs> I think it sounds kind of dirty, Dan, but that's what just my me. grandpappy's been saying for years. I so I was thinking now might be a nice time for us to build something between two castles of Mad King Ludwig. You on board? 
Nice. I like it. Let's do that, shall we? Uh, <laughs> I was booing the bark. Tracy's enthusiasm is skyrocketed as always. <laughs> Through the roof. Hey, I'm full of enthusiasm. All right, so as you may have heard when uh, we were talking to Jamie, the, the birth of this game is pretty cool. I like the origins of it all, how it came to be, how it came to fruition. And I like that they were building off the existing idea of Between Two Cities, right? See, uh, I don't think we ever reviewed the Between Two Cities. I enjoyed the game. I really like, you know, the bits and the ideas, but it always felt like a little restrictive. You had to build in like this like smaller grid. So placement was important, but also like very confined. You know, you always had to build. Yeah, because it's a four by four grid instead of yeah, whatever you and want. that was one of the first things that I loved about this game. In the Between Two Castles. Uh, you're doing a similar idea. You're going to be drafting tiles and you're working with the person to your left and your right, but you're not super working with them. You're working with them to make sure that they help you, not that you help them. And everyone's doing that. So it's a very interesting and weird idea when you're at the table. It's like, like Tracy, we should build this over here, but you shouldn't build that over there. That'll, that'll be too many points. I don't want you to do that. You build this thing over here. And then, Kurt, you're going to help me build this thing over here. And then I'm going to get 70 points, and you guys each will get 63. And then I'll be laughing, and you'll both be mad. And that's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and plus, it's, it's a hard thing, too, to not be like, okay, this is my castle. I should be building on my – I'm not building my castle. Everyone else is. That's so weird. It, Are the other it, people it to different. the side of you? Yeah. It's really different. Yeah. No, it is really different. But I think it is cool that you're not um, – you're not limited to, I mean, I haven't played between two um, cities before. And so playing this one, really, like, it all looks so different. Some are tall. Some are long. Some have lots of downstairs. <laughs> like, I mean, they're all over the place. Like, the last time we played, there were lots of outdoor. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, they're all, I mean, so much freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny, to too, because them. I even had to restrain myself talking about the, you know, not building on your own. I had to restrain myself when we played at three-player, and it was me, Tracy, and Mike, and all of a sudden, you know, they started building in my spots, and I'd be like, no, you want to build? No, wait, I'm not supposed to be telling you what to do. I'm not, that's your point. It's not mine. Why would I want to help you do that? It's hard to get yeah. used to that. Though. Now, if this it sounds, like, hard. wild to you, if you're like, you know, like, what are they talking about with the building, you know, like, all these outdoor buildings and all these other things? The idea of the game is really interesting because it very well incorporates both of these games. This thing is like definitely the like the peanut butter cup blend, where it's like just the right amount of ratio, just the right amount of ratio, and it's not even just a regular peanut butter cup. It is a Reese's Easter Egg blend, which is by far the most perfect ratio of chocolate and peanut butter ever. Oh my <laughs> right? god, they're delicious. Peanut butter yes. cup, sure. Peanut butter egg, I will kill a man for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So with this game, it's using thematics from the Between Two Castles where each of the rooms have like granting powers where when you build a certain amount of them, you're going to trigger said powers, be it getting an extra towel for the castle or building a special room, being able to take an extra action of swords. It's a really interesting concept on when and where to place. It's not just enough to have it when you place it really matters in this game. And the co-op doesn't stop just there because, Kurt, you and I just built our third utility room. 
we have to kind of joint decide what card we should get. You know, I can't really sabotage and be like, oh yeah, we'll just take this card, this card, because this thing over here is going to get me a lot of points too. You're like, no, no, we should take this card because I want those points. Like this thing is twenty, we should build this. It's really hard to argue against you on that because yeah, more points is good, even if it might mean you win instead of me. Thank yeah, you. and and you also have to be careful too because if you're if even if you're not you have a partner in this trying to score points, but if uh, if you're not both not paying attention, you will miss those rewards for if you build three rooms and then uh, subsequently if you build five of those rooms. And it's not even that you're not necessarily paying attention, but there's a lot going on, and you have to. I mean, because you have depending on how many players you're watching so many different boards because, but not your own. And I think sometimes we, after the fact went, ah, we, there's three downstairs there or, oh, there's three corridors or whatever. And now we have to backtrack and say, crap. Now we have to pick something, a special bonus for this board or mm-hmm. whatever. So I have found a little pro tip that can help out people in playing this game. Um, give everyone out the score sheets in the very beginning of the game. Every time a tile is placed, you know how you, you actually score just one castle at the end of the game? Every time a tile is placed in that castle, you just use a line system next to those types of rooms. So this way you know when your third utility room is built, your fifth garden has been built. It's a really good way to keep track of when you build these things, just so you know. Nice. Now, one of the other things that's really cool about this game is it's not just building these rooms, right? Like, that's like the theme of the, like, uh, Between Two Castles, where, like, the third underground room is going to create this effect, and if you build a fifth of something, you also get this effect. The other thing in this game is these rooms also have these symbols to them, and that's another scoring opportunity, and that takes place a little more from the Between Two Cities, where it was like district concepts, this is almost that way where it's like, oh, this room is dedicated to battle. Like this room is dedicated to decoration. And these symbols will actually change where, it's not just, I'm going to put a bedroom here. It's, is a bedroom like with the decorative symbol here better because of this room adjacent to it scores off of decorative rooms. So scoring opportunities are through the roof in this game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you have to be careful of placement too, because you've got one room that's a sleep room, and a lot of times the sleep room is basically you have to have the six different types of rooms in that castle to score four points. Otherwise, they're all only worth one point at the end, and so you have to be careful. You want to put those out, you know, if you're going to score all of those rooms or whatever for that. But you also have to be careful because a lot of times it doesn't have any other multipliers around it. So if you put if you put it in the wrong place, then you kind of screw yourself. Yeah, and it's rounds. like that sleep room type like technique. Like we had a game where somebody built eight sleep rooms, and they're like, "Oh man, these things are gonna be four points each. I'm gonna get a ton of points." And they did on sleep rooms, but because they took so many sleep rooms, they left out other scoring opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, or I was a dumb dumb with the sleep room the first time we played it. I was like, <laughs> it was based on color. But the color or the each of the different types of rooms. But I wasn't thinking the different types of rooms like living room utility, downstairs corridor, those kinds of things. I was thinking the sleep rooms oh. each had their own color. And so I, I'm like, why are all these damn rooms all blue? They're all blue. And he, <laughs> he kept putting out sleep rooms. 
And I'm like, but why is he doing this? Because they're all blue. I can't. And we were probably almost done with the game before I realized, Tracy, you're, like, you're a moron. All those all colors. The, all of like, them oh, are the, the same colors. The colors mean the types oh of my rooms, God. not that the types of rooms have colors. Uh, <laughs> I never normally do that. So I was just no. like, shit. I no, mean, we'll really, say this, like. You know, the game uh, with like, you know, we're talking about all these scoring opportunities and you're like, oh man, you know, like I'll be able to build anything I want. The game is tight though, because you only have two drafting rounds, which I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. Because your first tile matters and your last tile matters and everything in between does. You don't have enough time to be like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just pick up a food room next round. Because if there's not one next round, then you don't get it. And I I love that pressure. Right? Yeah, like, makes isn't difference. it great when you're like, okay, I'm going to get a forest tile. Uh, okay, you didn't pass me any forest tiles. This isn't great. Oh, you put a forest in your castle to your right, I noticed. That was kind of a jerk move, but, you know, that, that's fine. And why didn't I get any green tiles in this pass? What are you doing to me, Kurt? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that happened in the last game we played because Mike was like, yeah, we can... Um, we can put that out the next round or the next time. And I was like, this is the last round. We don't have any more chances. And he's like, Oh, we got to think about this again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, damn it. Well, and there's even restrictions with the rooms too. You know, a lot of them have to be, you know, at ground level level or above where the corridors and basements can only be below. You know, so that well, yeah, kind of limits can be, it that way too. Yeah, well, corridors can be either or, ground. just like castle between two castles. I mean, uh, in castles, yeah, they yeah. go up and down. Oh, so go up and one down. One thing I love is now, you know, uh, you, as Jamie also mentioned before, you, you're drafting out the nine tiles. So you're using one tile to your left, one tile to your right. So two rounds, eight tiles. That's all you're going to go through. And you kind of figure yourself like, oh man, like how you know these castles? Like how big can they really be? That doesn't sound like that much. But there's so many opportunities to get more tiles where if you build five of these rooms, you get to go through a separate stack of tiles to build another room for free, or you can build a tower or an outside garden. And again, opportunities abound in this game. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like you're playing the same game twice because there's a lot of opportunity to, you know, mix and match. Oh yeah. You can't repeat your, like a strategy from, from past games, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, how many players have you played this uh, game? We had Dan? five, four, and we got in one game of three. Okay. Yep, and we've played with two and three, and that's a that's a good little segue. Like even playing the two player variant, when I see a two player variant on something, I think, okay, you're just making a two player variant so you could just sell it to more people. Well, with this game, I don't feel like you're missing a beat. Because basically you're play you're you have you have you know each player has their castle but then you put out another castle a third castle and you call that you call them you call that Lud- Ludwig or Ludwig or whatever or you could call it a rando yeah Rando Ludwig the third and that's <laughs> yes. that's right you're that's right. right he was famous Rando Car Claw Calrissian or whatever okay anyway but terrible. I, I will say anyway. this though if you're gonna use Rando uh, Ludwig you should put out the ghost meeple from Charterstone. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Ooh, yes. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Yes. Um, but you know, it's like so. What what you're doing then is then depending upon which round it is, uh, one player is picking for Ludwig, and putting in in your castle and the other person's castle, and then the next round the other player is picking where Ludwig's 
uh, tiles are going in your castle and the other player's castle too. So it's like it gives everybody an equal shot at kind of maneuvering stuff, but it also depends upon the tiles too. Like Tracy said, like you just never know what you're going to get sometimes, and you could have you know, like me, I, sometimes I have a bad memory when it comes to that stuff. Cause I'm like, Oh, did we have any more outdoor tiles, you know, coming around the table? You know, I don't remember. Whereas yeah. Mike and I, when we played the three player, we'd be like, Oh, that's coming around again. We just have to wait. We just have to wait when we were trying to remember to play on, um, Kurt's castle because we had a plan. You ended up winning. Didn't we? Bu- no, didn't- Mike ended up winning. Really? Yeah, we had the lowest ones. We were like, our lowest one was like 50-something or whatever, and his was like 70-something. Oh, really? I don't remember. But, like, when we first played with the two-player variant, like, I was very curious as to what it was going to be like playing three-player real people. (laughs) Real people, (laughs) three-player? And it was, I mean, it was was different, but the two-player variant wasn't bad. No. No, either it, it, it's it seemed very the flow is very very smooth you know yeah I I liked playing it two and I liked playing it three it'll it'll be interesting if we actually get to play it more people because it you know because then you don't really have a lot of input for other people's stuff you just kind of watch them go you know so it's kind of like okay well I'll watch the see how they're doing it you know and then maybe as they're coming around, maybe I can screw them up, being like, okay, so they're obviously looking for this outdoor room, and I'm there's only one left in mine, and maybe there's not as many in the other one, so maybe I'll put it on somebody else's just to screw them over. You know, I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, I want to try this game at seven players so bad. I'm just trying to figure out the correct way to situate the table to let that happen. Because I don't know about you guys, <laughs> that... our castles were all over the place when we played. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you you basically need to get like a bunch of like uh, cafeteria tables and line them up, you know, or go to your local game store and be like, "I need five tables stat, please," because we're gonna, we're gonna need it. And, for um, this game. In one of our games, uh, somebody like was just building like the Tower of Babel. They just kept stacking on top and stacking on top because they knew they were gonna get a tower on top of that. Now, um, so I mentioned the tower, and that's one of the things in this game too. There's like these special tiles that can grant additional scoring opportunities, give you like a couple of new uh, chances to mix up your castle or position yourself better. And one thing I love is there's even attendance in the game that will help you score off of symbols in your castle. And all of these things give you a lot of strategy. Now, one of the curses that sometimes comes with a lot of strategy, the first time you play this game, you will probably get wrecked. And that's okay. You know, it's like you got to let somebody know, like, you know, the first time you're playing with them, it's like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to play this game and I'm going to destroy you just so you know. But it's all right because I'm going to show you how we score. And that might be something to launch off of when you teach this game, like setting up just a little bit of a castle real quick together, just putting anything anywhere and showing how those rooms score. Because that was the biggest obstacle I had with this game. Like um, in one of our games at the end, we're like, okay, so what do you got? Uh, Okay. My, this castle is 54, and this castle is 57. Oh, cool. All right, because this castle, the one that we got that's 57, I actually got 60 on the other one, so 57 is my score. And then somebody said that their castle was 109 points. And we're like, oh what, how the hell did you do that? And the answer is simple. They scored all types of wrong. So, like, they thought the sleeping rooms was, like, for every set of those things you got four points. So they are like, oh, each of these sleeping rooms is eight points. And, oh, this thing said, like, like things that are like one for everything adjacent to it, they thought were just in a castle. 
So they were scoring themselves through the charts. So teaching somebody the scoring, I would say, is probably like the hardest part of this game. Like you might, like I said, you might just want to throw together like a quick 10 or 12 tile castle just from one of the stacks to show somebody how those points come together. Like when you guys actually started, did anyone like, did you, did anyone botch up a scoring thing or did you actually have uh, pretty smooth experiences with that? No, I think we, um, when we scored, at least the few games that I played with you, we scored them together. Mm-hmm. Like we just looked at the castles together and started filling out the score sheet, yeah. which by the way, the score sheets are really nice. Mm-hmm. I think definitely, I definitely, and it's funny too because the one the one hang up that I had when we first played this game, which is funny because I don't know why I would have had this hang up, but it was just really hard for my brain to get past it. Was the you get the lower score of the yeah. two, and I'm like, I don't understand. I want the <laughs> highest score. Why would I want the lowest score? Yeah. And then it was just it just took a while for it to click, and finally I was like, oh, I get it now. You know. And then, and then it says in the rules, then if you're tied there, then you go for the highest score of your other t- other castle, and that just, like, threw me for a loop. I'm Did like, it blow I'm your like, mind? Oh, yes. I'm like, oh, no. I just thought I had it. Now I don't know if I do, you know. So, yeah, it's – I think you're right. I think just a little quick go through and maybe even, you know, the, the whole thing of, like, when we play this the first time, you're probably not going to get it. You know, it might be t- – it might take a little bit to get. Don't be discouraged. You well, know? it's just a different – If it's a different – kind of game because you're not building yours somebody else is building yours which is a totally different concept Mm -hmm. or you're working together with somebody else depending on how many players to build this you're working together just enough (laughs) yeah which is funny too because even even says in the instructions like though they may there may be this you know small instance where you and the other person won't won't uh, agree on where this tile goes and I'm like I hope I do not come into that contact <laughs> and I don't like, know that we we never we did. never ran into no. that but I but it would be weird once you did you know be like I'm gonna put this here no you're not I mean yeah. what yeah. <laughs> you know, we that with arm wrestling <laughs> there you go <laughs> we're taking it outside for a yeah. snowball fight I, I would love it though if uh if Jamie went like the the route of like Arboretum or some of those games where it's like if you're still tied, check this. If you're still tied after that, check this. And if that's still a tie, whoever can make the biggest sand castle in the next like three minutes is the true winner. You know? <laughs> okay, now number one, I have to yeah. find sand. Number two. <laughs> well <laughs> Do you think they sell those buckets? I was gonna say it's like, you know, no. me and you are tied curd and you're like, build a sand castle, and that's when I just break out like the Home Depot bucket. Doesn't look good for you, chump. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So, um, now one other thing that I really enjoy with this game is, uh, it's actually two parts, which is great. One is that outside of the specialty rooms, like the towers and the outside you know, gardens and all that, all the rooms are unique. They might be duplicate in effect and like, you know, like there might be multiple sleeping rooms that are decorative, but they all have different names and like a different art, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. Very um, cool. It's one of those definitely not necessary things and yet so great the only problem i had with the art is i know that there's easter eggs on the tiles and they're a little hard to make out yeah i was just gonna ask you like well we talked about some of the rooms and stuff like that they have the game storage room and i could definitely see for sure i definitely saw charter stone because i could see the white box with just a little bit of like 
tree or cloud or something like that. So I was like, that's definitely charter stone. And then I did this thing where I looked at it and I was like, I need a micro, I need a uh, magnifying glass. And then I was like, I don't have one of those because I'm not, I'm not five years old. And then I was like, oh, well, I'll use my phone and I'll just zoom in it in and out. And I was like, well, that's terrible. I'm never going to figure that what out. What are you talking about with Easter eggs? Like there's different things in oh, those tiles. Oh, like, yeah, like hidden things. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it's like, because um, these tiles, what's great is they have that linen finish, which gives them like a nice feel and a little shine, but it makes it really hard to look in and magnify. Because I do have a magnifying glass because I love Sherlock Holmes. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> nice. yes. you have a monocle. <laughs> a, ju- a jeweler's loop, okay. as it were. But, yeah, I, like, you know, and that's one of the things I love with this game, too. Like, I don't want to just stack out all the tiles and start going through them. Like, I like doing it as we play. Because Between Two Castles had yeah. a lot of that. Like, in one of the rooms, there's a game of, like, Werewolf on the Table and things like that. And um, another uh, tile had Suburbia on a, t- a table. So I like seeing these little hidden gems in here. The other thing, too, and again, we mentioned this to Jamie, but the inserts. Oh, my God, the inserts. I... I do feel like yeah. it was like Jamie looked at a couple of the games with game trays and he's like, that's cute. Here, hold my beer. And uh, just made this amazing insert for this game because <laughs> it is impeccable. Yeah. And it's funny because like with this game, technically, you don't really need an insert because all, all it basically has is the tiles. Yeah, but and you know how annoying castles. it is oh, to throw totally. that and in a bay. And we, and... and we talked about this with Mike with like the fantasy fight games where it's just the the you know the box that just it just opens up and, and oh, let's just, just throw your crap your in your it yeah in it's like it, yeah it'd just be nice to have that more because it's just so oh, convenient yeah. or you or they say here's a whole stack of all of these bags and then you have to use like five bags to throw all of these tiles in yeah and you're like oh for the love of god yeah so it's so it's cool to just be able to take out the game trays and put them on the table and put them together and they're a nice little castle yeah, and you know <laughs> so that was like one of the things too because with between two cities they there was no insert no anything and that's what you had to do you had to flip all the tiles face down you put them in the lid of the box you shake the box up around to shuffle up the tiles which i mean the tiles on top aren't really getting mixed with the ones in the bottom that's not how it works but the beauty and curse of nice like thick tiles this game you know slightly smaller easier to do that with you just you can do that after your game to mix them up and then and like I love that the specialty tiles are double sided so you can't accidentally throw those in their own stacks. And one either like one other little thing I love is even like the starting throne room is asynchronous for everyone. They're they're all they can only score four points. But I love that it's different for everybody. It's not like everyone's looking for the same type of room or the same placement in the beginning of the game. Like, your castle, you might want this on top. Yeah. Tracy, you might want this to the left. Mine might want something underneath. That's really cool. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I even like the small thing of, like, the attendance where it's, like, you can put them on that tile, and depending upon how you have them facing, it goes, blends right Which into Which is awesome, too. That was, one of my friends was like, what? It's <laughs> 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 so funny. It's so, it's such a small thing, but yet, so, like, you know, kind of profound. It's like, oh, that's, that's so neat, you know? It, you don't need it, but it's awesome. If, if they went for the ultimate level, it would have been, like, where they have the die punch in the castle room, so you actually replace it where that guy is inside, you know? Um... And the yeah. other thing, too, is just, like, even, like, the little castles, like, that you are basically, and this is another thing I really enjoy, 
the fact that when you are ready, you take your tiles and you put the castle on top of them to let the people know, okay, I'm ready to, you know, ready to place my tiles. Any game that has drafting needs an indicator for these things. Because there's nothing worse than you're sitting there for five minutes and you're like, all right, so who's still picking? And everyone's like, nobody. Like, God damn it. All right, fine, let's go. Like, why is this taking so long? This game, you can you don't have to ask. You can just say, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. Cool, let's place our tiles. And then you're in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... It, just all around you know with everything trying to figure out how to play this game to begin with you know i think like there's no there's no flaws i have in it really i mean there really isn't yeah it was um like we were trying to we were actually like looking for things to kind of like nitpick about like all right what, what would you change what would you do this and pretty much the only thing that people said was like you know, like in their first game, the scoring, like they just wish they grasped the scoring a little better, which I mean, that mm-hmm. could tie into the teaching. That's not inherent one way or the other. Definitely. You know, so like that's why I figure I want to change up how I show this game from now on. Well, and with the scoring, too, it's not like it wasn't defined in True. the rules. Yeah. Too. So, yeah. So, like you said, the teaching factor or the non stupid Tracy. All these rooms are the same color. But I would say it's, it's a game where after you place out your first two tiles, it's easy to forget how important the parts are because you're like, oh, man, I want to put this bedroom over here, and then I'm going to put this tower on top of that, and I'm going to get a garden. And then two rounds later, you don't get the garden, and you start freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it's kind of it's kind of in the middle where it's like sometimes you can kind of poor plan and still make up for it, but also you can't poor plan too much. Otherwise, you're going to kind of screw yourself. Yeah, you're going down in flames in that scenario. But the last thing I'll say is um, with the two drafting rounds, like I like the tightness of the game. I like the meaningful decisions a lot. I I don't feel like there's any time to waste, and I don't feel that any action is wasteful in the game. And it is Mm -hmm. brutal when you're like, I really, I didn't know you were going to take a sleeping room. I took a sleeping room too. We don't need six. We only needed five. (laughs) Why did you take like those little moments of that? Oh my god, this is gonna kind of hurt the score now. I, I hope this isn't too bad. Is great. I like a game that gives you pressure for your actions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it definitely. It, it definitely each round does matter. So you have to kind of keep an eye on it. So, or each each play, true. I should say, not each round. No, let's say I want to check is like. Well, each round it does. Yes. Yeah. How would you? How do you guys say you found the playtime? <laughs> Did it pretty much live up to like that forty-five minutes hour window? Was it a little longer or shorter? Yeah. Even even when we start, even when we learned it the first time, I feel like it went pretty smoothly. It wasn't well, one of those. You that... did. You learned it with Mike first. Oh yeah, that's true. Sorry. And then you taught it to me. Yeah. So I, you know, I I feel like, you know, like you know, Tracy should she, you know, she had problems with the you know, with the sleeping rooms right away. Like, usually that's my thing. Like, usually right away I'm like, oh, I can't believe I missed this, you know, that kind of thing. It feels like, you know, except you know, except for kind of getting caught up in the end game scoring thing, you know, with the lowest castle, like, I didn't really have a problem with it. You know, it was very, very easy to just kind of go through the instructions and say, okay, this is what we need to do, and, you know, this is how we'll do it, and just kind of yeah, go man, from I'm, there. I'm very happy to play this one. And now one of the good things is this. I have I've seen this game on sale a shocking amount of times since it just came out very recently. 
Yeah, like, that's all incredible. these sites are doing there. Like, we're putting twelve hundred board games on sale and everything else. You're like, oh my god. You know, which I've been more or less trying to avoid those sites because I don't want to be financially bankrupt. Like, I don't want to know that I'm working a hundred hours just to have no money at the end of this. But the thing that I love is, and uh, again, as we mentioned with Jamie, you can play this on Tabletopia right now. If you are curious if this is a game that you're interested in, you can go play it and make the decision yourself, which is gold. Uh, I'm actually hoping that if Kim can jump on the other computer, that maybe the four of us can do a game of uh, Between Two Castles uh, right before my voice ruptures, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's... It's funny because when I was trying to think about, you know, rating this or whatever, I was thinking, you know, I kind of had a problem with it because I was like, man, I really like this game. And I'm like, do I love it? I'm like, I think I do. Like, I really do. You know, and it's it's weird because like when it comes to games like this, I don't think I don't ever think I'm like in love with them. But like, I really did have fun with this game. And it's like one of those that every time we play, I'm like, wow, that was really cool. I like the I like the concept. I like you know, how it plays. I like how short it is. You know, there, you know, again, we just couldn't find any, any negativity and, you know, what could impede us from playing this game. Now, you know, maybe that's something in the future where I'll be like, well, you know, we haven't played this that, you know, hardly is not hardly as much as I thought I would. But, uh, you know, right now, you know, the times that we played it, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm glad to hear about that. You know, like for me, like I would say like on a BGG rating, like this game is definitely like it's like a solid eight you know it's like gladly play it like yeah it may not be the best game of all time but it was really good i like the play time it is good to know that i like a game with the meaningful choices in about an hour you know because usually a lot of times faster gameplay comes out the sacrifice of easier gameplay um yeah it does. Yeah, I am hoping to get a two-player game in this in soon though, because I want to see I want to see how it is with just Kim and I. See, you know, if it holds up or if it's uh, because you know, I know I'm I'm hoping that there's no like blowout scores because you know my architectural background could uh <laughs> could be could be a huge hindrance for Kim, but. Well, and I don't think when we played the two-player variant, there was a blowout score, was no, there? No, 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 probably yeah. probably because you're actually you know you're you're both kind of taking that third player so it's i feel like it's a little harder to do that and we don't have an architectural architectural (laughs) we don't have that background like you do dan i don't even have that background like i do so it's pretty good (laughs) i I I played a lot of castles of magic ludwig so it's kind of like i do i think if you build 12 castles you technically get a degree Ooh. (laughs) well then let's do that i read it (laughs) I read it on a sample cap. Don't dispute me. (laughs) So, uh, before the specter comes and takes me, you know, as also we mentioned with Jamie, I am curious about you guys. What would you say is the one game you would love to give to somebody for the holidays? And what is a game you would love to receive for the holidays? Um, Do you want, you're looking at me? Do you want me to talk first? Um, I think. I think um, Jamie kind of nailed it on the head. I think it depends on the person for the giving of the game. Because I would like to base it on their likes, dislikes, their personality, whether they're a crunchy kind of game player or a I just want something easy 
because, I mean, if you look at the person like your sister, I wouldn't buy her something real heavy. Yeah. Um, but if you looked at somebody else, you may buy them something a little bit um, longer in gameplay and that kind of thing. So I think it's hard um, to, to nail it down as to one specific game. Sorry, that didn't answer your question. What about receiving? What would you like (laughs) Um, to see then? That one you can answer fairly. What would I like to get for Christmas? Well, I know some of the things I'm getting for Christmas that I'm excited about because I I wrapped them. Good Lord, Uh, Kurt. So I happen to be, I happen to be getting five tribes from someone and I'm excited because I um, have had that on my wish list in prime on prime for a long time that's probably i mean it's probably been years so i'm kind of looking forward to playing five tribes because i've never played it in my life and i hope i like it because i would be disappointed if i didn't like that i don't know what else i have asked for for what else am i looking for oh i would really like to check out the new um god what is that called the new Sagrada oh, um, stained glass. The new Azul game. The stained glasses of. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, the whatever Azul that version game is. of Sagrada. Because I did ask for um, that for Christmas, but it doesn't come out until April. Really? <laughs> so. Well, there's there's some pe- there's some places that have it, just not on like. Yeah, Prime. I know that Howard yeah. picked it up at so, uh, Pax Unplugged. Yeah. Yeah, I would really. How I have yet to check it. We, I got to see the man for about thirty-five minutes in the last like two months. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I would really like that one, but I mean, if we talk about games I would like versus games I know that I'm getting, <laughs> I would say those are the two offhand that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, for me, like I agree with Jamie and Tracy about like it depends on the person, really. You know, like. Spirit Island would be a good, like, heavier game mm-hmm. and stuff like that for, you know, some people that really like that because I was really impressed with it. Even though, like, when we first were going to play it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to hate this game because it was just it was just the wrong type of night to learn that game. But now that we've been playing it, I was like, man, I just really like that game and it would be kind of fun to give. You know, or even if something smaller... For somebody that's a little easier, maybe welcome to game we oh, just talked about. Oh yeah, too. I want that. Fun. I want See, that one. Damn. Welcome to is a great gift to give to people because <laughs> that game is great. I can't, but yeah. I can't find it. I want that for Christmas. There you go. I you might have to wait until uh, Arbor Day to get that game. Yeah, exactly. I can't find it. And then what I want is all of them. Good, Can I get all of them, please? There. So yeah. So just yeah, so exactly. you know, uh, with when Tracy was saying she knows what she's getting because she had to wrap it. This is what I, I love very much about my darling bride. She doesn't even try to hide stuff anymore. She's like, oh, the, she just leaves it on the table for the last week. I'm like, I think I know those are for me now. <laughs> That's awesome. Because that wouldn't be yeah. for the dog or well, the cat. I mean, don't get me wrong. The cat does like Euros, but she's not really a UA Rosenberg fan, so it's not really up her alley. She's more like the for duty and, you know, Catholic-style games. Um, yeah, I would say... Um, Forgiving, like Railroad Inc. and Welcome to. I th- like I like it, the fact that they have anywhere from solo to bigger group play. I think uh, like nice like little pocket roll and write games or something interesting for people to try out. Um, forgetting, 
Yeah, space. I need a pocket dimension. That's what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I no need kidding. the TARDIS to keep all my games in at this point. Yeah, well, and plus, it, it plus you need like a teleporter, so then we can just go to, go to your house every you know yeah. every other weekend, so that we don't have to worry about trying to tr- tr- yeah, drive well, or fly. Once I get my TARDIS and I'm a Time Lord, it'll be no problem at all for us to get together. We can play Imperial Settlers during the times of those tribes. It'll be great. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, all right. Well, there's a shadowy figure in the hallway that uh, is beckoning to me with a skeletal hand. So he looks friendly enough. I'm gonna go see what he wants. So, <laughs> so signing out. Oh, and then there's the so, dog. Signing off for Sorry. quite possibly the last time ever. <laughs> this has been D. Wyatt. That's Batista. That's Batista. <laughs> That's Batista the dog. This is Tracy. And this is Kurt. And this was the MFG cast. Thanks for listening. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.